selfish concern for others and we saw Jesus in the operation of that saw him manifest that saw him move in that particular anointing so today we're going to get a little bit deeper a little bit further in and we're going to talk a little bit more about that um, but less today we got a few scriptures that we're going to cover you don't even have to turn to this one because I'm reading this from the easy English Bible this particular passage a verse that we read last week but this is Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 in the English, in the easy English Bible. I'm just going to read that one verse and then we're going to 1 John. But God's spirit in us causes us to love God and other people. He causes us to be happy and without trouble deep inside ourselves. He causes us to be patient, kind, and good. He causes us to believe that God will continue to help us. Amen. I want us to hold on to that first part of verse 22, but God's spirit in us causes us to love God and other people. Wow. As we're building our spiritual self, we have to understand that the spirit of God, as we learned on last week, God is love. Wow. So if the spirit of God is dwelling on the inside of us. It causes us to love God and other people. We cannot say we love God and don't love people. Amen. God's assignment, his mission, his purpose and what he created us for is for fellowship. It's for us to worship him. It's for us to have relationship, communion with him. So why would he create us if he did not want to have our love from us? Yes. And if he created us, why would we not want to show our love for one another, for our fellow believers in Christ, for our brother and sister, for our neighbor, if this is not what he has commanded? Come on. So let's go to 1 John chapter 4. And I'll be in the uh, Amplified version. First John chapter 4. Last week we read verses 7 through 12. This week we're going to pick up at verse 13. Is that all right? First John chapter four, amplified version, starting at verse 13. By this we know with confident assurance that we abide in him and he in us because he has given to us what his Holy Spirit. We who were with him in person have seen and testified as eyewitnesses that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world. Verse 15. Whoever confesses and acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know by personal observation and experience and have believed with deep, consistent faith that the deep, consistent faith, the love which God has for us. God is love. 
And the one who abides in love abides in God. Amen. So if we're going to abide in love, we have to abide in love. If we're going to build up our spiritual selves, we're going to have to abide in love. Amen. He said God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God. So as I abide in love, this now, this now positions me to be in a, on one accord and to be in line with God because he is love. Love positions me for that. Yes. He said, and the one who abides in love abides in God. And God abides, listen at this, continually in him. Amen. Oh my God. Amen. So this is the issue where we have to begin to ask ourselves, is there any space or time where I'm disconnected from God? It's the area and space and time when I find myself not operating in love. Because if God is continuously, he's continuously, listen what it says. God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God. And God, and God abides continually in him. As we abide in God's love, God will continually abide with us. So whatever circumstances come your way to try to get you away from love... You have to begin to push yourself and get yourself and back in line and to begin to not allow the enemy to pull you away from love. He wants to get you into that strife. He wants to get you into that bitterness. He wants to get you into that hatred. He wants to pull you away from the thing that's going to build up your relationship with God. So this is why you have to be mindful that I have to respond and act accordingly yeah. and do as, a, as, as God would do and walk in the love of God at yes. all times. Yes, yes. So now he goes on. We're going we to read this because when we get to, we go into uh, Acts chapter 10, and that's going to be the meat of our message. I love to give, I'm giving you the practice, I'm giving you the scripture, and then I love to give an example of someone operating in what we're talking about. That's why we went to Jesus last week. You got to see someone operating in what we're teaching and what we're sharing so you can have the revelation and you can receive the fullness of it. Is that all right? Amen. Verse 17. In this, in this union and fellowship with him, it's a union and fellowship. Union means one. Is that correct? And fellowship. So if I'm abiding in his love, that puts me with oneness with God. That puts me on one accord so that I can have fellowship. He says, love is completed and perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. With assurance and boldness to face him because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So what he's saying here is that because I love God and because God's love abides in me, and when at the day of judgment, I don't have to have fear or concern concerning how I've lived my life because I've lived my life according to the love of God. I've lived my life according to how I'm supposed to abide in him, how I'm supposed to love him. And as I love him, his love is abiding in me. And I'm sharing my love with my neighbor. I'm sharing my love with those who are around me. He says, so I don't have to fear or have to be concerned. I can have assurance that when the day of judgment comes, that I'll be called into the heavenly place. Amen. Oh, my God. Amen. Come on, come on. That's good. He said, so this is why he said, that perfect love casts out fear when you read it in the traditional sense. He said the expectation of divine punishment so that so the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. I have to grow into a fullness of understanding God's love. And see, a lot of people will get to the place and say, well, I know God's love because God is love. But it's something about when you have to get to the place to see God's love in operation. Where you, can, where you can get a full understanding, a full revelation of what it is. Yes. We know God died for, he gave his only begotten son and he died for us. That shows forth that love, that he died for us. But we in the earth realm have to be examples of God in the earth. So if we're not showing forth love to one another, showing forth love to people, how is the unbeliever going to think that, you're, that they can receive something that's better than what they're doing? This love is what draws people. The Bible says he draws them with loving kindness. You didn't become, you didn't get drawn to Christ because somebody was fussing at you. Because somebody was beating you up and, and tearing you down. It was the love of God that drew you. It was the love of God that drew you into the presence of God. He goes on and he says. What am I at? Verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Amen. 
if anyone says I love God and hates works against his Christian brother, yes. he is a lie. Come on. I love the way the Amplified says, he says because he said anyone who hates and works against his Christian brother. Amen. It's some people in the body of Christ that's supposed to be your fellow believer. But the Bible says that here, he said that person who is working against your fellow Christian, your fellow brother or sister in Christ, he said the love of God and you a liar. He said the love of God, listen to what he says. If anyone says I love God and hates works against his Christian brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Now, this is just description. This is just black and white. You can't get mad at apostles. This is the word of God. I'm just teaching the word of God and giving you what truth is and giving you what the scripture says. Amen. He said he called you a liar. As a brother. Oh, see, y'all missed that. See, as a brother or sister. So, you mean I'm in Christ and I can still lie? Come on. Come on. Help us. That's good. That's real good. Come on. Because it says... If anyone says I love God, if you say you love God, yes. you confess it and hate works against his Christian brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Now, when I close this out at the last verse, it's going to mess you up and then I got to go to Acts. Because he's going to really just slap you in the face. Let me finish reading. He said, and this commandment we have from him. That the one who loves God should also unselfishly love his brother and seek the best for him. Oh my God. And this commandment we have from who? That H is capitalized. In my amplified version, the H is capitalized so that him represents God, represents Jesus. That him who he's referring to. It says that the one who loves God should also unselfishly love his brother and seek the best for him. So I should unselfishly love my brother and seek the best for him. Now, you may have some areas and issues that you may dislike, but I still have a responsibility to love you. And seek the best for you. Because what happens is the areas that you may have disliked and disdain for is the area that you need to be praying for your brother, your sister. See, that comes a place of maturity. And that's when it talks about that perfect love becomes mature and that you don't have any fear at judgment. Because I operated in a sense where I unselfishly cared for my brother and sister and I sought the best for them, not seeking their demise and their failure or not trying to set them up for failure, but I was encouraging them and help building them up and help trying to get the best out of them because that's the assignment of love. That's the assignment of love. And so when we get to that revelation and understanding, so now let's go look at somebody who had uh, a minor issue with understanding the fullness of God's love and he was in leadership. This this passage of scripture God is showing me a whole nother revelation. Every time I teach some things and God is showing me the scripture and you read it again and he'll give you fresh revelation. That's the power of the Holy Spirit and that's what the Holy Spirit will do. He'll give you new revelation and he'll give you fresh understanding. So let's go to the book of Acts. And I love the Holy Ghost because I was looking at this this morning and I was asking God, where was this passage of scripture? So at first I went to Acts 13 and I said, that ain't it. When I went there and I started reading what I was looking for, I was trying to remember, I said, where is it? The passage of scripture where Peter had the issue with the person because he wasn't in agreement. He, he, he didn't think they should fellowship because they was a Gentile and all that stuff. And so the Holy Spirit directed me, he said, it's in Acts 10. Oh, yeah. He said, he brought it back to my remembrance because it was in my memory bank. Come on, let's Come on. Come on. See, he can't bring back to your memory what you haven't put in the bank. Oh my God. See, we the Holy Spirit to do some stuff that we have not even deposited yet and he can't pull from nothing that you have not put in. So the Holy Spirit brought that thing back to my remembrance because that's his assignment. You, I, y'all, I'm trying to help y'all. You've got to challenge the Holy Spirit on what his assignment is. 
And you have to ask God for what is assignment, what the Holy Spirit's assignment to do, and you have to engage the Holy Spirit. You have to engage him. He, he said, I was sitting there on my couch looking, I said, it's not 13, and he said, it's chapter 10. And when I went to chapter 10, sure enough, there it was. I have to go looking and searching and find it, the Holy Spirit, because I asked him. Where is this at? He brought it back to my memory. So y'all ready? Amen. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. I wish we had a lot of time, but we don't. But I can't, I'm going to read 10, but 11 is a, it gives you a more fuller even of what we're going to talk about. So your homework is read chapter 11. Amen. All right, because we're going to do 10, but my time won't allow me to read a, like 100 scriptures. <laughs> won't allow me, all right? I'm still going to stay in the Amplified version. Amen. Now remember, we're supposed to love unselfishly. If the love of God abides in us, God's love abides in us, and we're supposed to have a love of God for other people, we're supposed to share and act in that. We have a responsibility. Is that correct? Yes. Amen. Seek the, Seek the best for others. So let's see this particular passage. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. I'm in the Amplified Version. Let's start reading at verse 1. Oh my God, this is good. Amen. Now at Caesarea, Martima, there was a, a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who along with, his, with all his household feared God. He made many charitable donations to the Jewish people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw a vision, an angel of God, who had come to him and said, Cornelius, let's stop right there. We're building our spiritual self. I want you to point out and I want you to see some principles that Cornelius was operating in. If we're going to build our spiritual self, we have to have a consistent prayer life. He says he's a devout man, one who along with all his household feared God. Because Cornelius is the priest of his home and because Cornelius seeks God, his family falls in line with that and they begin to fear God because he now sets the tone and the atmosphere for the house. This is why it's so important for men to be in a relationship with God and have, a, 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 have an example of showing forth God's presence and love in their home so that your whole household can be covered and begin to have a fear of God. Not a fear where you're scared, but a fear of a reverence and honor. So he says, he made many charitable donations to the Jewish people. So, having and building your spiritual life means that I should be a giver. Amen. Cornelius was a giver. Because you're going to see what his giving and his prayer life did for him. He said he gave many charitable donations for, for the Jewish people. And he prayed to God how many times? Nine times. Always. So he was consistent. He was always in a position where he was praying and he had a prayer life. So at about the ninth hour at 3 p.m. of the day, he clearly saw a vision and an angel of God who had come to him and said, Cornelius, if you're not consistently in a prayer life, how will God know when to meet you? See, if you're not constantly seeking God and in a position where God can know your voice, how are you going to recognize when the angel shows up? See, Cornelius was always in God's presence. And he was always giving, and he had set an atmosphere in his house for the angel to appear. I'm trying to help you build your spiritual self. You should have encounters not just at church like we had on this morning, but you should have those same encounters while you're driving to work, while you're in the bus stop, while you're in the grocery store, while you're in your closet, while you're washing the dishes. Because God's presence is always present around us, and if we would just invoke his presence wherever we are, he is there. So he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, how does he know my name? <laughs> Building your spiritual self puts you in position where it brings your name up to heaven. See, as long as you're building your flesh and as long as you're doing what the flesh wants to do, it brings separation and heaven can't get to know you. See, the way heaven gets to know us is that we communicate with heaven. You cannot expect for somebody to know you that you don't communicate with. 
See, a lot of us call because Facebook has been designed to call them friends, but there are a lot of people on Facebook that are really not really friends with me because I do not personally know them. I do not personally communicate with them, but this has just been designed by the way it's been set up for them to call them your friends. But friends are people you communicate with and you know them and they know you. So, the angel of the Lord called his name, Cornelius. Look at verse 4. I did too much teaching on three verses. Listen. Cornelius was frightened and stared intently at him and said, What is it, Lord, sir? And the angel said to him, Your prayers, listen to this, and gifts of charity. What is charity? Love. See, love, your love for God makes you and gives you a desire to give your offering. See, you should not, the Bible teaches you shouldn't give under obligation. You should give because you love God and you give freely and you give because I love God so much for all he's done for me, for how he saved me, how he delivered me, how he brought me out, how he changed my life, how he changed my mindset, how he blessed my family, how he blessed my job. And when I think of the goodness of Jesus, it makes me want to reach in my pocket and say, God, because you blessed me so good, I'm going to bless you with what I have. soldier from among his own personal attendants and after explaining everything to them he sent them to Joppa. Now I want you to show them here the importance of building your spiritual self. What do you do when your GPS doesn't work? See see my GPS wasn't working because I could have Googled this particular part of the passage of scripture that I was looking for. I could have said, where, where did Peter meet Cornelius? Because I had had, I could have Googled that. But the Holy Spirit didn't tell me to Google at that point. The Holy Spirit sent me to seek him. So in this time, Peter does not have a map. Peter does not have a place where he can pinpoint and say, I want you to go down the street to the first stop sign, make a right, go to the second light next to the McDonald's, swing a left and go a half a mile up the block, and then on the right side, on the hill, you'll see his house. Mm -mm. You have to have an ear to hear what the Holy Spirit is telling you. So the Bible says that they said, when you go to the Simon's house, the tatter, he's given in specific identity markers so that you will know who he is. And he said, when you find him, his house is by the sea. Because I have to have a personal relationship with the Holy Ghost in order to direct me on how I should be moving. Because that's what God did in the service this morning. As I was praying, I had to go into second gear. As he shifted, he said there was a shift because I felt the dryness in the place. See, when I'm up there praying, I don't have my eyes open because I don't want to be distracted by your faces. I have to disengage from my audience and close my eyes because I'm not seeking to please you. I'm seeking to please the Father. So I have to stay engaged with the Holy Ghost. And if I open my eyes, I might get disengaged with my flesh and start looking at you how you responded. But I need to know that. 
Spirit wants to do. So listen, that was a sidebar. I'm just gonna... so, so, so when the angel was done, Cornelius got up and was obedient. If you're going to build your spiritual self, you got to be obedient to the Holy Spirit's instructions. So he got some servants. He told them what had happened. And he sent them to Joppa. Now, verse 9. This thing is going to get gooder and gooder. The next day, as they were on their way and were approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof of the house about the sixth hour, noon, to pray. Uh-oh. We're talking about the Apostle Peter. And we're talking about another person who's going into prayer. I'm trying to get you to understand your prayer life. I'm trying to get you to initiate your prayer life because I want you to see how powerful prayer can be. He says, Peter went up on the roof of the house about the sixth hour noon to pray, but he became hungry and wanted something to eat. Ain't that something soon as you're ready to go to prayer? Your stomach started growling? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It was about noon because noontime normally is lunchtime. So, so, here it is. No time, Peter get hungry. Now, this is pointed out because God's getting ready to use his hunger for a revelation. So you gotta decipher when the enemy's coming in to make your belly growl and when God's trying to get your attention. See, this is why you have to have the spirit of discernment. Oh my God, I'm teaching better than y'all shout today. So listen. So he said he wanted something. He said while the meal was being prepared. He fell into a trance. Wow. So they cooking. Wow. He fell into a trance. Wow. Listen what happens. He said, while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance and he saw the sky open up and an object like a great sheet descending, lowered by its four corners to the earth. And it contained, listen to this, all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. Because he's hungry now. You seeing chickens? Hamburgers, <laughs> shrimp dinner, lobster. He said all these images. He said, and it contained all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and all the birds of the air. A voice came to him: "Get up, Peter! Kill and eat." Because he's hungry. I told you he, he was in prayer. He got he got hungry. He fell into a trance. So now he has a trance. And God is using the image of animals of things that he could eat because he was hungry in the flesh. But when he went in the trance, because see, what you're doing in that natural state is going to affect your spiritual state. This is why you have to be mindful when you go to sleep at night, what you just entertained. And you'll find out why you're dreaming about that kind of stuff. Because you just watched Jason part 17,005. I mean, is it any more people for him to kill? I mean, so, listen, stay focused, stay focused. So a voice came to him. Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Listen to this, this is going to get good. He said, but Peter said, not at all, Lord. For I have never eaten anything that is unclean, unholy, and ceremonially unclean. Oh, hold up now. You're hungry, right? You're hungry, right? Now you have a certain appetite. If you're hungry, you're going to eat what's going to sustain and fulfill your particular hunger. But Peter says, I'm still caught up in the condition of my religion and my tradition. I'm caught up in the place of what religion says and my tradition says I cannot have because I'm a Jew. He said, I've never eaten anything unholy or unclean. He said, God, I can't do that. He said, I can't kill that. I can't even touch that. He said, I can't do that. In my position that I am, I'm the apostle. What do you mean? I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to do that. I'm eating them clean. He said, and the voice came to him a second time. Oh, you're going to do what God tells you to do. He said, and the voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed and pronounced clean, no longer considered common and unholy. So you have... Now said, your brother, your sister is uncommon. They unholy, so you can't love them. So who made you the judge of who made you want to say that they unclean or unholy? That's God. 
to Simon. He said, well, God is cleansing for now. It's clean, no longer considered common and unholy. He said, this happened, listen to this, three times, and then immediately the object was taken up into heaven. Now look at verse 17. Oh, God, this thing is so good. He said, now Peter was still perplexed and completely at a loss as to what his vision could mean. When the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions to Simon's house, arrived at the gate. Now, when they got in the vicinity, because they looking for the apostle, he said, he's staying at Simon and Tanner's house. He said, when they got in the area, he said they asked for directions. See, once you get closer to the area, did you know that this is where you should be at? Now you can ask for directions. He said, and now he asked to Simon's house, arrived at the gate, listen to this, at the gate, he was not living in a hut. I'm trying to help y'all get to the blood. Y'all need to pay attention to the scripture. It was a gate. Anybody know if there's a gate, that means there's a big house. They don't have gates around studio apartments. <laughs> and they called out to ask whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was thoughtfully considering the vision, the Spirit said to him, we're building your spiritual self. He said, the Spirit said to him, now listen, three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitating or doubting because I have sent them myself. Now, do you trust the Holy Ghost? <laughs> Peter didn't have a problem with trusting the Holy Spirit because he was in a place where he was constantly and committed to prayer. We noticed that. It says at the noon hour, he was in prayer. He was in a position of prayer. So when this particular, when the Holy Spirit told him, he said, get up and go downstairs and go with them without hesitating or doubting. He said, I don't need you to doubt. He said, because I have sent them myself. So God is setting up this particular whole scenario. He's dealing with Cornelius and he's dealing with Peter. Cornelius needs something from God and Peter needs something from God. Go ahead. They both need an experience and an encounter that Go God ahead. is getting ready to bring their two worlds together and collide. Yeah. Because Peter needs to get out of his selfish, traditional, religious mindset and Cornelius is seeking to gain a better revelation and understanding of who Jesus is because all he knows is the God of the Jews. He's not been exposed to Jesus. Oh, I'm trying to help you today. So when we read this, you're going to see the fullness of this because this is what Peter's assignment is going to be to preach Jesus to them. And watch what happens when Jesus is preached to them. Y'all ready? Yes. Verse 20. He said, get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitating or doubting because I have sent them myself. Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. For what reason have you come? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, well spoken of by all the Jewish people, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. Listen to what he said. He said, they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, well spoken of by all the Jewish people. So he's now, they're telling Peter his validity so he can be comfortable with going with them. See, the apostles, you can't just you can't just up and go with somebody because they come looking for you and you don't have discernment and understanding of who they are because you don't know what somebody may be coming to get you for. So God has given him reassurance so that he'll know that he's going and that this is the assignment that's been called for him to do. He said to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. What? Why do you want to hear what I have to say? Why does Cornelius want to hear what I have to say? Because the apostle Peter has something that Cornelius needs and Cornelius' house's need, house need. So Peter invited them in and gave them lodging for the night. So now Peter said, listen, we can't go right now. Y'all just got here. See, they, they didn't fly in. <laughs> they didn't catch a red eye flight. <laughs> they didn't have the opportunity to just jump in and then go back on the plane and go home. They didn't have that. They had their lodge for the night. They spent the night, got some rest. And then now, okay, in the morning, we're going to get up and go. Is that all right? So the next day, Peter got up and left with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went with him. Now, as the apostle is going forth, he's going, and some of his adjutants go with him. Some of his armor bearers go with him because the apostle is going into a territory he's unfamiliar with. Yeah. So he has to go with people that know him and that are surrounded by him because anything happens to the apostle, there'll be somebody that witnesses it, and somebody can come back and tell the other people what happened. Yeah. 
So this is why you have to be a covering for leadership if they're going into foreign territory. Yeah. This is why if you're going into foreign territory, we have people that will go with us to support us because now it has to be a covering of your leadership so that there won't be anything that goes on. So he was in unfamiliar territory, so he has people go with him and to support him and to cover him because at the same time, yes, God has told me that I'm going to this place and I have to be in position and I'm being obedient, but I yet have to use wisdom. Amen. So he says he gains. He gets some people to go with him. He said, listen, on the following day, he and the others entered Caesarea. Cornelius was waiting for them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. Now, Cornelius has influence. He has power. He has position. He calls for his relatives and close friends. When Peter arrived, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter raised, up, raised him up saying, stand up. I, too, am only a man. Peter did not get it confused. He did not want Cornelius to begin to worship him. Amen. Amen. Come on. See, this is what happens when we invite all the big names out and we want to stop everything and bow down to them and give a certain, you know, and we give everything to them and you don't give nothing to your house. Oh. I'm just in the book. I'm just in the book. We want it's in the book. You got to honor in the house. Amen. Amen. He said, but Peter raised him up saying, stand up, I am only a man too. As Peter talked with him, he entered the house and found a large group of people assembled. He said to them, this is where it's about to get good. He said, you know that it is unlawful for a Jewish man to associate with or befriend a Gentile or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I am not to call anyone common or ceremony unclean. The power of God's love in Peter's life has begun to come to the forefront and because Peter has the love of God on the inside of him once he enters into the place now his religion speaks first and his tradition <laughs> but he does not allow his religion and his tradition to keep him stuck oh my God. see the reason why our spiritual selves are not being built up is because we're constantly holding on to our tradition yeah. tradition, and our religion. Yeah. And as long as we're holding on to that, we cannot grab hold to what Jesus wants to expose us to and to get us to the next level. I heard someone say on a Facebook post, and they said that I've been around this particular ministry for a long time, and I went back, they went back to visit, and they said they still doing the same thing they were doing 20, 30 years ago. And they said it's been a person that has been fighting, trying to get the church to let go of their religion, but they won't let it go. So what do you do when you're in that stuck place? You have to make a decision. If they're not going to change, then you're going to have to change. So listen to what he says. He said, you know, <laughs> I love this. He said, you know it is, that it's unlawful for a Jewish man to associate with or befriend a Gentile or to visit him. And yet God has shown me. See, when God gives you something that shows you, he said that I am not to call anyone common or ceremony unclean. So he realized that the encounter that he had with those trance and the revelation from the food, when he said that he wouldn't eat it, and he said that this thing is unclean, it's unholy, I've never touched that thing. So now God brought back to his remembrance as the Holy Spirit had revealed to him, as the angel was speaking to Peter, he said, listen, nothing no more am I going to call anything common or ceremony unclean. Therefore, when I was, when I was sent for, I came without raising an objection. So I asked, for what reason have you sent for me? <laughs> this is Peter talking to Cornelius. Cornelius said, what time is it? Oh, my God. Y'all want me to go? Oh, okay, I got to go ahead. All right. All I need is to go ahead. So Cornelius said, we get ready to close out. Give me 10 minutes. Cornelius said, four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour, and a man dressed in bright, dazzling clothes suddenly stood before me. He said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your acts of charity have been remembered before God, so that he, so that he is about to help you. Therefore, send word to Joppa and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, to come to you. He said, he is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here present before God to listen to everything that you have been instructed by the Lord to say. Now, Cornelius has never met Peter. Come on. Come on. 
But Peter trusts what the Spirit has, I mean, Cornelius trusts what the Spirit and the angel has spoken to him. That what Peter is going, he has something to say to me. He has something to deposit in me. See, this is why we cannot have these preconceived notions and have our walls up when somebody comes in to maybe speak a word to us and they don't look the part, they don't fit the part, and they don't look the way you thought think they should look, but they bring you a word and you now shut down because this is not what you wanted to hear or this is something that you are not in agreement with or this is something that you say, you know what, this is not of God because it's not packaged the way I want it to be packaged and the prophet didn't have on a suit, the prophet didn't have on my shoe, and the prophet didn't have on a dress or somebody didn't do like I want to do, they didn't have the right look, the right smile, the right walk, and so now you shut down. And so you have to be open to God because God can speak through a donkey. So Cornelius told, he said, Peter, you have something that the Lord has put in you that I need. And sometimes you got to get so angry at the enemy and that you got to go after what God has promised you with all you've got. And you got to put yourself in position to get into the face of the person or the people or the presence of God where you can get a word, where you can get your breakthrough, where you can get something you know you can get fed from, you can hear something from that's going to push you to your next level. I don't need that. See, that's why I couldn't, I, I, was, I was not, he said, I'm not going to settle. I wasn't going to settle for it to be dry in here. I wasn't going to be settled for you to get all your mind wondering all this stuff. No, God, you're going to have to shift. You're going to have to change the atmosphere and you're going to have to move in this place because I have been through too much not to praise God. God has been too good to me not to lift up my hands, not to open up my mouth, not to give him praise. Do you know somebody got up this morning and couldn't walk? Somebody got up this morning and couldn't talk? Somebody got up this morning and they couldn't hear? Somebody got up this morning and couldn't move their leg? And then we want to come in and look at God all strange and dignified and all puffy and stuffed up? I'm not going to do it. I need God in my life. So now, I love Cornelius because now he's opened up the atmosphere. <laughs> you got to realize he's got people around him. They spectating. And they wondering what's going on. But he said, uh, now we are all here. He didn't just say we. He said we are all here present before God to listen to everything that you have been instructed by the Lord to say. So he shut down all the naysayers. He shut down all those who are skeptics so that the word of God can go forth. See, this is why it's important for the atmosphere to be set. This is why we do praise and worship. This is why we pray. So the atmosphere can be conducive for the word to go forth. So now Peter's getting ready to preach the gospel. Verse 34. Y'all ready? Opening his mouth, Peter said, most certainly I understand now that God is not one to show partiality to people as though Gentiles were excluded from God's blessing. Do you not see that now he received the revelation and understanding of God's love that I cannot be a respecter of person, that I cannot think that God has not come to the Gentiles because I'm a Jew, because I'm an apostle, because I have seen Jesus, because I've walked with him, because I've been anointed and appointed, and I'm now going to look down on somebody that has not had the same experience as me, that has not had the same background as me, that did not come from the same uh, uh, family as me. He said, no. He said, now I see that God does not show partiality to people as though Gentiles were excluded from God's blessing. Don't you know you're glad you should be shouting that God didn't exclude you from being a crackhead? He didn't exclude you from being a drunk and an alcoholic? He didn't exclude you from being a lustful, perverted, nasty, trifling, stinking mess that he yet saved us? He yet gave us another chance? He yet pulled us out of our mess? Don't you know that that's a blessing that God was able to save us in the midst of our stuff, in the midst of our madness? That he had grace and love for us. Verse 35. But in every nation, the person who fears God and does what is right by seeking him is acceptable and welcomed by him. You know the message which, which he sent to the sons of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. You know the things that have taken place throughout Judea, starting in Galilee after the baptism preached by John. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with great power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. Now notice Peter did not come in and preach him. He preached Jesus. He came in preaching Jesus. And he started. Listen, he keeps going. He said, because God was with him. He said, verse 39, we are personally eyewitnesses of everything that he did, both in the land of the Jews and in the Jerusalem in particular. He said, they also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. 
God raised him to life on the third day and caused him to be plainly seen. Not all the people, but but not all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen and designated before him by God. That is to us who ate and drank together with him after he rose from the dead. Verse 42. He commit he commanded us to preach to people, both Jew and Gentile. Hold up. Do you see? How everything had already been spoken in the beginning and now Peter is receiving the revelation, the understanding that God said when the Holy Ghost come upon you, he said you shall go into all the most uttermost parts of the earth. You shall first go to Jerusalem. He said then go into the other areas of the earth. He said he's coming for the Jew and the Gentile. So you got to understand God is not a respected person. So as Peter is preaching, he's getting his healing.
said that she got more engagements than me. They're calling out for her. Won't even call my number. You know, he was just saying, he said, because God now is raising up. He's, in, he's imparting it to her. And now she's at the next level. Now God is using them. And her sister Cora, God is exposing them to the ministry. He said, because now, they, even though it looked bad, it looked rough, because she had a child at the age of 13. It looked all jacked up. But now look what God is doing in her life. She's a first lady. She's pastoring. She is encouraging and speaking all over the world the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because I can't allow the enemy to get me stuck in my past. I can't allow the enemy to get me stuck in who I used to be because you want to keep me in bondage to what I used to do and who I used to do it with. I can't, I decree and declare today that behold, I am a new creature. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. I'm not the same person I was last year. I'm not the same person I was six months ago. I'm not the same person I was on yesterday. God is doing a new thing in me. Why? Because today is a new day, a day I've never seen before. And he said, behold, I give you brand new mercy. because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them talking in unknown tongues, languages, and exalting and magnifying and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone refuse water for these people to be baptized since they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? And he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked them to stay there for a few days. What? When the power of God's love is manifested, and when God's love is in the place and God wants to get you in to get your attention and he's trying to break some things off your life. He'll position you to get to the next place and get you in a position where you will expose yourself to the next level of people that need to hear your voice. I thank God that when I got, when before I came to Joliet, I was in the city of Chicago had been preaching the gospel for over six years pastoring a church that I started in my living room and God placed us in a storefront church and because they had issues we had to move down the street to 119th and Halston and then we got there and then they said this place more than zone for church. He said, now we got to move again. At that time, I was ready to give up. I went down and shared a location with another church. So now we got to have church at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You have now ate your lunch, and you now starting on your dessert. Who wants to come out and now preach, and who wants to come out and hear the gospel at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? So when we went from 13 people, we went all the way down to 5. And so now I got to still get preached the gospel like I'm preaching a thousand. And so because I was committed to the things of God, and I decided not to give up, God said, I'm preparing the people that need to hear your voice. He said, I know I was moving you south. I was trying to get you out to the place of Joliet. He said, so I was preparing the people. They had made up their mind. They said, I lost my pastor. My pastor went another way. They said, I'm not going to another church. They said, I need to find somebody that's going to shepherd me. And so as God was preparing the people, he was preparing me for the, for the side designated people. And because God had prepared people,